Hello everybody and welcome to Nintendo Week for the end of week of May 20th through May 26th. I'm your host Colin McIsaac and as always I'm joined by Alex Plant. The humble Alex Bundle. Ben Lamoureux. Soon to be an amiibo. And this week we have a special guest, Ash Paulson. Hello, thanks for having me. Yeah, our pleasure, man. So this week we've got a lot of Nintendo news. Uh, as always, we're going to break it down for you. There's a lot on Fire Emblem, on Splatoon, and even some new Smash Bros. news that's come up. We haven't talked about that in a little while. So uh, after the break, we are going to have a mega discussion with Ash Paulson. Ho ho. Foreshadowing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know what we'll be talking about. <laughs> well, let's kick it off with uh, probably the most amusing story from the week. Nintendo of America hired Bowser as vice president of sales. And that's not King Koopa, that's Doug Bowser, the former vice president of global business planning at EA. I don't know if you guys uh, saw this, but um, he posted a picture on, I think it was Twitter, uh, where he held up a sign that said, thanks for the warm welcome. And behind him, he was at Nintendo's office, and behind him were all these uh, stuffed animals of Goombas and Dry Bones, and, uh, <laughs> and on the shelf behind him were two plushies of Mario and Luigi tied up back to back. That's awesome. I actually didn't see that, but that's that's really cool. It was funny. When yeah. you said warm welcome, I was thinking it was going to be a fire breath joke. But <laughs> uh, no, I, I think it's great. Uh, I think it's good that they're inviting uh, an industry sales vet, uh, particularly one from mm-hmm. a company as big as EA and a company that's, you know, as well uh, stocked uh, in stores as EA. Uh, they, they tend to get their stuff front and center on store shelves. Uh, and that's his role. His role is to get stuff on retail shelves. So. Yeah. Yeah, Alex, it's interesting you mentioned, uh, you know, an industry person because Reggie fils they actually brought him in and he had no experience in video games, really. He was a sales genius, but he worked at, he worked for like Pizza Hut and like a Chinese food <laughs> distribution place. So, you know, it, it's interesting to see them actually target like a video game veteran to bring in for this vice president of sales position now. Who would have thought a video game company would hire a video game guy? I know, yeah. right? Much yeah. less a video game guy named <laughs> Bowser. <laughs> no, it, it's great, but I, what I think what they really need to do is they need to hire a actual marketing guy who's an industry vet. Because, I mean, sales is one thing, but aside from Amiibo, and maybe this is why they hired him, but aside from Amiibo, it, it doesn't really seem like Nintendo has that much of a trouble in the United States getting a presence in stores. What they really need is yeah, that presence. Yeah, it's more a matter of their advertising. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They don't have an ad presence. All right, they've been picking it up lately with Splatoon. But... Well, yeah, that and they need to really improve their consumer messaging. I mean, there's still I can still walk into any Best Buy or Target and usually hear someone, an employee, talking about how the Wii U is just an addition or an add-on to the Wii. I mean, three or four years out from the Wii U's launch, people still don't actually know that the Wii U is a, a, a new high-definition system. Yeah. yeah, I was actually, this is a little bit of an aside, but I was actually thinking recently, like, did Nintendo really screw up the Wii U's marketing that badly? Like, it must be hard to think of a sort of, you know, an ad campaign for this thing. And then I, I sort of challenged myself, how quickly can I think up of a good ad campaign for the Wii U? And within five minutes, I had a perfect vision for a commercial that would have done just fine, would have done miles better than what Nintendo had with those little children with charts saying, the Wii is a new controller. Ugh. Well, it's not just that, too. It's the name. I mean, I think Nintendo yeah, was so sure. hell-bent on trying to bottle lightning twice with the Wii name that they just said, we have to attach the Wii name to our next system without actually thinking about if that kind of you know makes the messaging a little convoluted or not. And it totally right. did, because it's not even the Wii 2 or the Wii Next or whatever. It's the Wii U, which really does sound like an, an add-on or an accessory. Yeah. 
But even then, the advertising could have said, you know, totally. Wii U, a brand new console. Yeah. Like, those, those kinds of oversights are, are like, really where they fit. But anyway, I mean, we, we could talk, you know, for hours. It's been three years. People have talked this subject to death. True. Um, anything else to say about Doug Bowser? Or I don't know the guy, so, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so we got lots of updates on Fire Emblem If this week. There have been some changes to the weapon triangle, and item durability has been completely removed. Each individual version of the game is as large as Awakening, and the black and white versions will require different gameplay strategies. There's also a new Dragon Pulse ability that can alter the battlefield terrain, so you can change deserts from to plains to water to forests and every which way. It sounds pretty cool. And there's a new arena system that rewards players with something that isn't experience, although exactly what that means will be revealed at a later date. Finally, custom avatars like Robin from Fire Emblem Awakening are now going to be a staple of the franchise moving forward. So they're clearly rethinking the conventions of what Fire Emblem is and a lot of breaking a lot of rules that have become a part of the series formula. Um, a lot of what they're doing, they've said, is in hopes of opening up the franchise to new players, uh, making it more inviting. Awakening already accomplished a lot of that, but they, they want to take it a step further, a big leap forward. It's, it's also cool to look at the areas where they're making some of these changes, like the item durability, f durability, for example, because if you look back at the original games on NES, item durability would have been, nowadays, it would be a primitive way of, of adding sort of limitations to the way items are used. But now, of course, the programming and the design is more sophisticated. So it's not mm -hmm. really... It's not just a accessibility play, it's also a modernization play. And I think if there's anything Awakening did really well, apart from, you know, making Fire Emblem more accessible, it was a, making Fire Emblem a truly modern game. So it's good to see that they, that they aren't, you know, content with what they've done so far, and they're trying to push the envelope even further. Yeah, I say, although I do, based on the reactions I've been seeing online, I'm kind of wondering if, if they could be going too far. I mean, I myself am not a Fire Emblem fan, I... Uh, not for lack of trying, it's just really for lack of time. But I know a lot. I've, I've seen quite a lot of negative reactions to things like the item durability being removed, and uh, and just kind of the apparently the overall difficulty, uh, the range of difficulties being pared down even more. So like I, I just wonder if they're you know if they risk going too far in terms of turning veterans off with all these kind of you know, modernization changes they're making. Personally, I think that sounds great. I hate item durability in any game where it exists. It drives me crazy. But if I was a longtime fan, you know, I can see I can see why people seem to be a little upset. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good question, and we'll have to see how it turns out. The thing to consider is that Fire Emblem, traditionally, the, the hardcore fans are such a niche part of Nintendo's audience. So I wonder if the backlash from the really hardcore fans who really believe in, in these systems like item durability will end up outweighing how much it opens the franchise up to newcomers. So I guess we'll kind of have to wait and see on that. Um, but I, I do like what you said, Alex, about modernizing the franchise and, and rethinking these old conventions that were a staple of the series because of previous hardware limitations and instead modernizing it with the new ones. Um, and that's something I wish they would do in a lot more of their franchises, honestly. Uh, Pokemon certainly comes to mind. It feels like they come around to doing it with like one franchise at a time. One of them will yeah. have its renaissance moment. And then from there, it, it just seems to be on the up for a while. Yeah. We had that with Metroid, with Metroid Prime. Uh, that was a, sort of a similar moment. Um, and it may be that now that they're rethinking how their relationship to the internet will be going forward uh, and their relationship to hardware, uh, that we could see a lot more uh, changes like this. Yeah, I mean, that's something they've talked about with Zelda, for example, too, is changing the formula, you know, challenging the conventions. So that might be sort of an idea that they're trying to get across multiple IP. Yeah, and uh, I mean, 
especially with Zelda, with the whole cancellation and not being at E3, we're not going to see that game for a long time. That series could be in for a huge renaissance. Yeah. We have yet to see. Zelda, I think, in particular, is really ripe for it because, uh, you know, it's it's kind of been, I won't say in a rut since Ocarina of Time, but the Ocarina of Time has clearly been the template for everything that came after it. And, you know, maybe it doesn't have to be that way since large world action games have changed so much in the last 10 years. Uh, maybe it's time to just scrub Ocarina from uh, development mindset completely. Nintendo and the Pokemon Company have announced Pokemon Super Mystery Dungeon for 3DS. Uh, the game launches this winter, it launches early next year in Europe, but little else is known. It was announced through this weird kind of low-key PR blast that really just said, this game exists, and gave us the logo, and didn't really say that much else. Um, yeah, one thing I thought is that maybe this is just going to be like a remake of the first Pokemon Mystery Dungeon game. Because the title doesn't really, you know, give us anything other than Super Mystery Dungeon. It just sounds like an improved Mystery Dungeon. Whereas all the other ones, you know, mostly have, like, uh, subtitles that kind of give you a hint as to what the gameplay is going to be about. And we know uh, Iwata has talked a lot about bringing more remakes and ports to 3DS and new 3DS. So I, I kind of have a feeling maybe that's what that'll be. Yeah, that's definitely an, an interesting idea. Um, I was kind of wondering... I mean, I think it's really interesting that this was announced in this kind of unimportant, kind of just just throw it out there way. I mean, we've seen a ton of Pokemon spinoffs lately, from Battle Troze to Pokemon Shuffle to Rumble World. Uh, I feel like I'm missing a few, but they've all been these really small-scale releases, just pretty forgettable games in my opinion. And the last two actually were both free-to-play experiments, uh, the Pokemon company said. So I wonder if this kind of covert announcement suggests that it's another game in this series of experiments, or if the whole super mystery dungeon thing, uh, as you said, suggests that it's going to really go back to the series roots as this much bigger deal or even a remake. Cause I mean, if you look at the recent mystery dungeon releases, Gates to Infinity on 3DS did so poorly that I think most people don't even remember that it even exists, yeah. but it's there. <laughs> it was a full retail Pokemon mystery dungeon release. But, I mean, I remember when the first ones came out, and even the sequels, they were a much bigger deal, not only for the fans, but from Nintendo, too. So, I'm curious to see where that line is, and, and how Super Mystery Dungeon is going to fall on that sort of spectrum. Well, I think you can also look at the timing. It's right before E3. Uh, it sounds like, I mean, from what we don't really know much of what's coming out after E3, except for stuff that's been announced for a couple of years. So, they probably have something up their sleeves, we don't know what. And they probably don't want to clog up that, uh, I guess you could call it the hype machine, with uh, another sequel to a series that, like you were saying, has kind of fallen off the radar. And certainly they don't want this game to get lost in the E3 buzz. So I can see maybe they're announcing it just early, quietly, before so E3. So that they can get it out of the way. Yeah. yeah that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's um, nail on the head. This is not an E3 game at all. Yeah. Right. And, it, yeah. and there's no way that it would get any attention if they announced it during E3. So Nintendo released more details for the Nintendo World Championships this week, and it just got even more exclusive. In addition to only eight cities, um, there will be only 750 contestants allowed per city, which means a total of 6,000 people can participate at all. Um, the winner from each store will receive two plane tickets to LA, or travel compensation if you live in the LA area, a two-night stay in a hotel, and a $250 Visa gift card. These eight winners will be joined at the finals by eight mysterious guest competitors, which could be Miyamoto, it could be Fred Savage. But I think at this point, Alex, um, last week you said that this is most likely, you think, just a PR stunt and not a legitimate competitive event. And I, I think this news completely affirms that. 
Yeah, I mean, they haven't announced what the like grand prize or anything will be. Uh, just, just the qualifying prizes. So, I mean, maybe it winds up being a big deal, or at least a bigger deal than we're thinking it's going to be. But uh, now it, it doesn't really seem like they've organized this in a way that uh, that opens it up to being truly competitive. Right. Yeah, I mean, just the fact that the the competition game they're using for the first round's Ultimate NES Remix, they're using the championship yeah. mode. It's like this kind of reeks of just kind of like a yeah a PR stunt, just kind of a throwaway. Hey, look, we're bringing back this uh, this thing that some of you adult gamers kind of remember and have nostalgia for, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem like there's really any any real substance behind it, unlike the Smash tournament from last year. Right. So I don't really know what to what to make of it, but it will be interesting to see what the game that the their the competitors are playing at the at E3 itself will be. Yeah, for sure. Um, we've been kind of wondering if it's going to be like the original Nintendo World Championships, like the movie The Wizard. Um, how that was north america's reveal of super mario bros 3 if they're really just planning this event as a platform to announce something like super mario galaxy 3 that would be really cool i hadn't actually thought of that angle but that would be really neat if they were using that as a an opportunity to announce a new game that would be that'd be really cool actually yeah if that is the case i would hope that they would start raising a little more hype for the event because right now it's it's pretty dead yeah yeah well i mean i feel like they they did a fine job raising hype of it initially, but then as news trickled out that it was only held at Best Buy, that it was held in eight cities, period. I mean, I feel like as as more news about how limited it really is has been releasing, people have just sort of been losing interest. And that and that sort of adds to our sense that it's it's a PR stunt of some kind because yeah. if they it's been clearly thrown together at the last minute. People didn't even know about it uh, until you know a couple of weeks before or a few weeks before E three. So anyone who's serious about making travel plans or serious about you know being part of a Nintendo competition may not even have time to prepare. I mean, I know they're they're giving away plane tickets, but you know they're also holding it in only eight cities. So uh, you might just, need a well, plane ticket just to get to a qualifying round. Right. Yeah. Right. It, it just reeks. Well, but Alex, who needs time to train? I mean, everyone has been playing Nintendo World Championships mode in Ultimate NES <laughs> Remix for 3DS for the past few months. Not time Clearly. to train. Time to take <laughs> off work. <laughs> Okay, that's, this is the real world yeah. we live in, after all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've I've also noticed a lot of people that are upset that they're calling this the Nintendo World Championships, even though it's only held in the USA. But I mean, it's it's held by Nintendo of America. The name World Championships is obviously not meant to describe the event. It's well, it's just, just a, a rev- it's just a it's throwback. a revival of the brand. Yeah, yeah just purely for nostalgia. Um, and a ton of other events call themselves World Whatevers, even though, when they're really not meant for the whole world. So. I mean, it's just a total non-issue that I've seen people getting really upset about, um, especially when you consider that it's just a PR stunt anyway. But I mean, that's that's the the game industry or the you know, the yeah, the, that's the world we live in. I mean, people will right. find things to get offended by, even if even if there's really nothing appreciable to get offended by, people will find a way to make it to raise a stink about something. Yeah. So Nintendo has revealed that the scale of the marketing campaign for Splatoon matches that of Mario Kart 8. Nintendo has, quote, the utmost confidence in the potential of Splatoon and believes it can attract gamers who wouldn't have considered a Wii U before. Yeah, it's funny that, that they're saying that because I, I found out today that there's some, like, yogurt chain in Canada, a uh, frozen yogurt chain, that has uh, Splatoon-themed flavors. So Is they, it really? Yeah, uh, it's called... Splatoon this whole time has been reminding me so much of Trix yogurt. Like, from the moment it was announced. Really? I guess yeah, the colors... Yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of not surprised... Thing. Yeah, the whole color combos. I swear, some of them are just straight from... But but anyway, I'm kind of... And the rabbits. Hmm. Yeah, they were originally going to be rabbits. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So that's funny. That's kind of... uh, I'm 
kind of not that surprised actually then that there are these yogurt chains with splatoon merchandise yeah i i honestly haven't seen nintendo pushing one of their brands out there this hard since we came out they're trying to put splatoon everywhere which is good they should it's about time but man it's i wonder if it's too little too late though yeah i love the confidence of nintendo here but i I don't think it's realistic to think that Splatoon can sell on the level of Mario Kart 8. You know, Mario Kart 8 sold about 5 million copies so far, and I don't see Splatoon coming anywhere near that. Yeah, I mean, that's an amazing attach rate for Wii U, which has only sold about 9 million units, so more than 50% of Mario Kart own, of Wii U owners own Mario Kart. Yeah, I mean, and I think it'd be great if Splatoon hit, like, 20%. I don't even I don't expect that to happen, but I think that'd be like best case scenario. Yeah, I mean, if one of Nintendo's most storied IPs can't, you know, make the Wii U take off and fly off store shelves, I don't think a, a new untested IP is going to do it. I mean, Splatoon for sure. I, I I love what I played it at E three last year, and I mean, it's, it's shaping up to be great, but uh, I just don't see it. It is great. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, actually, come to think of it, our review when you're listening to this, our review is going to be out, and uh, it's it's a fantastic game. I. I think it's a must-buy for Wii U owners, but I I agree that, you know, not all Wii U owners are going to get it. Probably not even close to 50% at all. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it, it it's billing itself as, as this four-on-four multiplayer shooter, which is a good modern step that Nintendo needs to take because their first-party library doesn't really have something like that. But on the other hand, they're still shooting themselves in the foot with their, you know, their typical kind of anti-progress stances, like, you know, no online chat between, even between friends. You know, yeah. just just in an effort to protect the kids, and and you know their their online structure is so limiting that it just makes me think that they're they're kind of yeah they're shooting they're shooting themselves in the foot by making a game like this, but not really embracing its potential wholeheartedly. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and on the flip side, if they're not going to go all in on online multiplayer, they could at least put more effort into local multiplayer. Uh, since Mario yeah. Kart and, and Smash mm-hmm. seem to have gone on the local wave pretty well and then done well for themselves with it, even without chat, you know, for example. For sure. I mean, local multiplayer is one of the big things that I touch upon in my review, that there's only one way to play it. It's like a ba- it's like a battle mode where you shoot balloons, and that's it. I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's an excellent mode, but after half an hour, 40 minutes of playing it, you're going to want to do something else. Yeah, like no yeah. co-op against bots even. Like, that would be something... Yeah. And I, I'm also a little skeptical that this is going to sell Wii U's anyway, because, you know, it's one thing if this were, like, one of a stellar lineup for this year, but, you know, Splatoon is, like, the one noteworthy Wii U game to come out in the last six months. Well, to that, I would say, given how hard Nintendo is marketing this, especially towards younger audiences, with that whole birthday truck thing that they're doing, and... The, these yogurt merchandise and by getting the squirt gun at Target and stuff like that. I mean, they are, to their credit, I think doing a really good job of getting the brand out there in the public consciousness of a lot of younger audiences. And I think that is a really good thing. I think, you know, if, if they can hype the game up enough in those audiences, a lot of those kids who don't have a Wii U yet, but really, really are excited for Splatoon are going to get us are going to get a Wii U and I think I think they're lucky in that sense that they haven't done a whole lot of advertising in the past of their other games that means when they do it for Splatoon a lot of kids are going to notice and want to buy a Wii U but you know it it also means that they've had this whole audience that in the past they've been missing out on a lot yeah and I guess that's what I'm hoping for, but it seems more like a tipping point game to me where you add it onto the pile of already uh, an already great lineup and, and, and it tips yeah, you for sure. over the edge and we'll see. Uh, maybe maybe enough kids want Mario Kart and Smash Brothers that it'll do the job anyway, but uh, you know, those games are over six months old by now, so we'll see. 
Speaking of Splatoon, though, there was a new Iwata Asks that went up this week, which revealed a ton of info about Splatoon. The development team revealed that the game was only 10% finished at E3 last year. Um, they spent the last the time since then adding new weapons and stages and balancing the game. They've also spent a lot of time working on the single-player mode, and they really, really hope that you will play it because it's a great single-player mode. Uh, what what we've seen, or what I've seen, I mean, Colin's seen everything, so, I mean, he maybe he can comment on this more than I can. <laughs> Colin but, has but, seen some things. But the, the, the single-player mode looks like it's kind of got that wacky quirkiness that you would expect from mm-hmm. classic Nintendo, uh, and they haven't really put out a new game like that since Pikmin. Right, 14 years ago. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, new characters in this new wacky, quirky, never before seen on a Nintendo console sort of environment. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know how much I can actually talk about that because technically the embargo isn't up when we're recording this. Although when it's released, the embargo will be. So I'll, I'll just keep my mouth shut anyway. I guess read Colin's review. <laughs> well, some of it actually isn't covered in the review. The the single player mode stuff that it sounds like you're talking about. But yeah, it is that great Nintendo quirkiness. Um. It's really wonderful. I I could not put it down. So I had a really great time and I'm I, after playing it I'm I'm with the developers here. I really I really hope that you guys who are listening play the single player mode because it's a fantastic fantastic experience, I think. So Colin, I have a question for you. Uh with the game only being 10% complete, you know, less than a year ago and they've do you feel like they've had to rush the development at all because we know some of the features like matchmaking and custom games won't even be available until a few months later. So do you feel like it was rushed? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think, I think it was rushed in that there's a lot of content that's clearly uh, not currently there that they're adding later, which they're adding it for free. Um, well, I, I guess I fine. should say, I think, does it feel incomplete at launch? Well, right. Here's the thing. I don't think it does. Okay. It definitely feels like they've, they've taken the idea of quality over quantity to heart. And you can tell that there was more stuff planned that they decided to scrap, but they worked on the content that they didn't decide to scrap thoughtfully enough that it still feels like a complete game. You can tell that once they decided we're going to save these modes for later, they doubled down on making what content was in the game really, really good. So in that sense, it's really an exercise of quality over quantity, and I think it feels complete, even though um, the amount of content in it is lesser than it will be come August. It, it's funny that you mentioned we were talking about it that way, because when you look back at the comments from the Iwata Asks, uh, they're kind of in response to Iwata saying, you know, I got the impression that to people who are watching at E3, it seemed like Splatoon was already a complete game last year. And it seems like you're you're sort of confirming that sentiment that, even though that all the content isn't there, what is there is really, really good, really, really polished, and really, really fun. Absolutely. It's funny, it's funny that uh, he says that. We know now that last year at E3, all they had was the one weapon and the one stage that was there. Yeah. I guess a lot of the people who played it kind of assumed that was just the demo weapon and the demo stage and other stuff was already there. But no, that was all that they had for the game. But yeah, I mean, absolutely. What they have is so, so solid and so much fun that it doesn't feel like there's any dearth of material there uh, to play with. It really does feel complete, which I was concerned about going into it. But now that I've played it so much, I, I'm really satisfied. Yeah, that's good. At least for where I'm concerned, I am looking forward to the single player at least as much, if not more, than the multiplayer. Uh, not because I'm down on the multiplayer or anything, but... I just really like single-player experiences, and I'm not an online avid gamer, so or an avid online gamer. So um, the single-player, for, for all intents and purposes, looks like it's fantastic, and uh, you're echoing that sentiment, Colin. So yeah. <laughs> I am excited about that. I endorse it. <laughs> yeah. 
So the official Twitter page for Community Effort Orlando, a fighting game event about a month away, June 26th, I think it was, uh, has tweeted that Super Smash Bros. has, quote, something big coming to the event. We're not sure if Nintendo has something to announce at CEO 2015 or if the group itself is planning something Smash related, so we'll have to stay tuned on that. But it is worth noting that Street Fighter V is having its first public appearance there. So if those rumors we heard about Ryu coming to Smash have any merit, this would seem like a good opportunity to make that announcement. Just like uh, E3 would be a good time to announce Mother 3. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying, Reggie. <laughs> Uh, we all know it. <laughs> I mean, you know, if, if Ryu is legit and, and by extension Roy, um, it, 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 I, I don't know. It just seems like either E3 or Evo would be, would make a lot more sense as a high profile yeah. event at, at which to announce at least Ryu because of the fighting game, you know, connection. Well, right. And, and I mean, that's a new third party character. That's a major yeah. event for Yeah. And I mean, Community after Orlando, I guess it's a big deal, but I personally had never heard of it until this this announcement i also now i'm not entrenched in the fighting game community so that could be why but it just it seems like evo would be if, if there's an, if they're going to announce a new third-party character in anything besides e3 it would have to be pax or evo in terms of fighting yeah game. no I, I agree with that in terms of in terms of the size of the event we'll we'll totally have to wait and see because it's completely possible that ceo is just saying that they're planning something but it is interesting that that's that correlation is happening with street fighter 5 being made public for the first time at that event yeah i i agree it, w it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the best time but it would it would be a time that makes sense yeah i mean well i, I wasn't previously aware of uh, street fighter 5 making its first public appearance there so knowing that i would say you know the chances of of a ryu announcement there you know increase at least a little bit because that's that's a pretty big deal Unseen64 has done some digging, and they've uncovered the truth behind the rumor that Super Metroid was originally included in Metroid Prime. As it turns out, it's true. The entire game was programmed into Prime by one person, but Nintendo made him remove it because he used third-party emulation software to do it. And Nintendo, of course, didn't want to support any emulation software that they didn't own. That would have been, like, the ultimate Metroid combo right there. You get Super Metroid, which is, yeah. like, you know, the most popular 2D one, and then you get Metroid Prime, which is the highest-selling one of all time. That would be, just be a really good way to introduce someone to, to the series. Yeah, for sure. I'm kind of surprised that they didn't say, hey, you can't use this emulation software, but let's work on our yeah, own. Yeah, right? Um, it's not like it would have taken a tremendous amount of effort on their part. Right. Right, especially if one guy had already managed to do one of his own, so... I mean, it may have been it may have been just a a, fa a development time factor. Maybe it was just that it, it's all yeah, happened too late in development, and they just needed to get the game out the door. Yeah, that's that's pretty likely, yeah. just because I know the the development cycle for the first Metroid Prime was pretty stressful with Miyamoto coming in and enforcing deadlines when the game was only about thirty percent complete and people working eighty hour weeks and such. So I'm surprised that a guy had time to you know program it in once in the first place. But yeah, I agree with Ben. It really is sad that Super Metroid wasn't the one that made it because it really not only is it a better entry point, but it's a better analog to Metroid Prime. Uh, Metroid Prime borrows way more from Super Metroid than it does from the original. Wait, you say the one that made it. Was there something else that made it that I've been playing Metroid Prime and didn't know about? Yes, yeah, the original Metroid is in the game. Yes, the original Metroid really? is in the game. You have to link up with Fusion, I believe. Oh, yeah, that's but, why. Okay. But it's in there. Wow, I can't believe I didn't know about that. <laughs> well, you did only play Metroid Prime like a year ago, right? That's true. <laughs> ah. For shame. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. We already I shamed know. him on the last episode. <laughs> Nintendo has filed to renew the trademark for Eternal Darkness, and more specifically, they're requesting a six-month extension to their deadline for filing a statement of use for it. Um, so I've, I've seen this story about 
renewing the trademark for Eternal Darkness, I feel like at least three times um, in the past few years. So it, it's something that happens kind of routinely. But interestingly, at the same time, the game's original director says that the spiritual successor he's working on, Shadow of the Eternals, is still happening, despite um, a lot of people thinking the game had kind of died, you know, press for the game went silent, the creator didn't seem to be saying anything about it at all. Um, but he does say now that there are big plans for it, despite two failed crowdfunding attempts. So it's interesting that Nintendo is now uh, extending the deadline for that statement of use, which, as far as I know, isn't something that they've done before when they've renewed the trademark, which just so happens to be on the same day that Dennis Dyack says, hey, Shadow of the Eternals is still happening and we have big things uh, planned. The only obvious connection I could see is maybe Nintendo is roping in Shadow of the Eternals as their Eternal Darkness well, sequel. Well, yeah. But... That just right. seems like a wildly It doesn't seem likely considering yeah. how how much Nintendo has has renewed this trademark and then not done anything with it, uh, considering how long it's been since there's been anything in the Eternal Darkness series. Well, they have um, been looking at outside what outside companies are doing and trying to respond to it in some way. So it could be that they're seeing the success of games like survival horror games nowadays, uh, Dark Souls, Bloodborne, and thinking we need ours mm -hmm. too. Uh, and that was kind of what Eternal Darkness was supposed to be in the first place. So who knows? I, I was just, just going to say that uh, we, we do know that Fatal Frame is coming stateside, I believe, later this year, uh, you know, the Fatal Frame Wii U. So it could be that they're trying to slowly kind of build up their stable of mature survival horror-esque titles by, you know... By doing this as well, but again, I, I do feel like it's pretty. I feel like it's it's pretty far fetched. I mean, right. Eternal Darkness isn't really. It's it's well loved, sure, but it's it's really it's it's a small, dedicated following, right? So it's not like yeah. there's a whole lot of you know, a whole lot of people clamoring for a new one. And especially, it would almost seem a waste to release it on Wii U, which already has such a low install base to begin with. It would mm -hmm. it would probably you know if they attempted to revive that IP on Wii U. You'd see similar results to Pikmin, where it's not going to sell very well, I would right, imagine. Right. Well, what I would say about that is, if they're doing this now, there's a good chance that they might be gearing up to release it in the early days of the NX, which would set them up for a, a much better launch uh, in terms of branding the console not as like a Wii U successor, but as a console for all types of gamers. But again, I mean, that's just getting so far into what-if scenarios that it's probably not worth entertaining that much right. further. Yeah. So this whole amiibo situation is still confusing as heck. Toys R Us seemed to get a healthy restock and a great supply of Greninja, but Walmart, meanwhile, is canceling pre-orders, and it's just as confusing and hectic as ever. Uh, meanwhile, Nintendo is sending 100,000 amiibo to Spain for a restock. Um, last I heard, and this is me, uh, Europe was doing just fine with amiibo supply, but maybe that's since then changed, or maybe Nintendo's just really that bad at this. At this point, really, who knows? I mean, I'm assuming none of you guys have anything new to say about this, just kind of more of the same. Please tell us what's going on, Nintendo. Please stop making your amiibo by hand. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Nintendo really has just totally bungled the amiibo situation. I mean, they, they could not have made more of a mess of it. Uh, that said, I, I can say that I have heard myself that uh, Toys R Us is going to get a pretty healthy supply of Greninja, so... Hopefully, yeah. I know yeah. in uh, the LA area, a lot of them are looking at like 120 plus. Yeah, which is surprising. Which is amazing stock. Yeah. That's. I mean, last time I went to go get an amiibo, they had like four there for each character. Yeah, so I mean that that might be the first new character in a while that uh, is actually that might not be that hard to find. Um, so you know, I mean, we already know that most of Wave Four is going to be incredibly rare, if not impossible, to find already. 
But uh, Greninja, maybe they're actually going to come through. Yeah, which is ironic considering it's a retailer exclusive. It's a Pokemon that's not really that significant in the Pokemon canon. You know, Pikachu is Mewtwo or is one thing, but Greninja is kind of... He's pretty popular, but he's not a pivotal character to the series. Right, so uh, it's kind of funny that of, of all the amiibo that, that would be some of the most common, it's Greninja. That has a lot to do with it being a retailer exclusive, I think, where Toys R Us can, can kind of afford to order more than perhaps well look at meta knight and gold mario and i mean well i mean gold mario was intended to be a limited edition thing so that's but okay and and they do seem to be a lot of their other retailer exclusives situation slowly but surely so and and i think these retailer partnerships that give them a sort of an avenue for at least making these kinds of characters a little bit more common uh, which i think is the reason why they pursue them uh, I'm fairly confident that we're going to hear at least one story of someone getting injured or killed over Mewtwo Amiibo. <laughs> because Mewtwo is going, going to be so hard to find and so popular. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure we're going oh to at I least know. get one one story of an injury <laughs> over over Mewtwo Amiibo. Broken left yeah. foot. <laughs> it's going to be Colin. Yeah. Well, and, and equally amusing is the fact that uh, with Nintendo's recent hire, uh, only Bowser can save us from the Amiibo situation. <laughs> well, I don't think it's any coincidence that Bowser's one of the easiest to find, right? Sure. I mean, yeah. bring on Bowser's Amiibo adventures, right? <laughs> I'd buy it. Yeah, no, it's it's really sad that it's kind of come to the point where, you know, six months into the Amiibo thing, people are still worried about getting a cancellation email uh, for their pre-orders. Like, I just yeah. checked mine now to see if Walmart canceled my Splatoon Amiibo. Uh, so far, I, mean, I saw good. people who were talking about like ordering backups of Lucina and Robin and like other rare characters and even their their first orders and then their backup orders were canceled. Yeah. And it's like people are pre-ordering these things and that's not they're pre-ordering them twice. Yeah. And that's not enough to make sure that they get yeah. them. Yeah, it's no. just oh, it's insane. Man. Shantae's co-creator has tweeted, see you in Smash at Nintendo the other day after seeing Shantae on a promotional ad for Nintendo in a store. Those of you who don't know Shantae, she's the star of a popular indie series of platformers with a long history on Nintendo consoles. Um, It's probably WayForward's biggest franchise. She has a pretty decent sized fan base trying to get her into Smash, but either way, the community went nuts over this, wondering whether it was a teaser that Shantae was coming to Smash Bros. Uh, Smash boards in particular blew up. But, I mean, I think it's far more likely, and I have a feeling you guys would agree, that it's probably just this guy seeing this retail display and sort of tugging at Nintendo's arm again, saying, you know, hey, we're still here if you guys need characters. Yeah. These guys are putting us next to Mario and Link. Maybe you could think about it. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think he was just having a little bit of fun there with the See You in Smash tweet. Yeah. So that's 100% what that is. Well, and yeah. <laughs> if if it, there was anything to it, there's no way that Nintendo would have tolerated that sort of thing being on Twitter. Nothing. There's that would never happen. Yeah, that's that's true. That's another good point. Miyamoto was working with Shigesato Itoi, the creator of the Mother series and the producer of the Pokemon series, on a game for the Nintendo 64 disc drive way back when. Um, it's really sad the game got canceled because everyone just sort of floated to other projects. But um, but this is sort of like the ultimate Nintendo dream team right here, and I guess it was just never meant to be. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say on, on that except that I would love yeah. to see yeah. uh, Itoi work on a new game at all. I mean, I know, know. dude's oh a God. genius. I mean, I would be sad, but then you said it was a Nintendo sixty four disc drive game, and then I was no longer sad. <laughs> well, yeah, all of those games pretty much went over to GameCube. So I mean, if they had really stuck with it and made it, you know, made it worthwhile. But I mean, the game 
like let's be clear the game was about raising like a like a living cabbage or something like that yeah so i mean the concept at that stage didn't really seem like it would have been worth much if it had resent if the final game had at all resembled what they were working on at the time but it is kind of interesting to think about what a game would look like if you know if miyamoto and itoi and this pokemon producer really worked hard at making something that 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 they were really devoting themselves to and working together on it because i mean miyamoto obviously the guy's a legend itoi i mean his video game narrative in 1995 is still better than most games 20 years later it's interesting to think about well i remember reading too that uh that a lot of development concepts and ideas from that project ended up uh kind of manifesting in animal crossing so it may not be as dead as we mm. thought but uh you know just the some of the ideas may have taken a slightly different form in a series that you know went on to become incredibly popular interesting i hadn't heard that part. i could that, that that could be anecdotal on my part but i believe that i read that well, no, I mean, that, that doesn't sound, you know, that sounds pretty... Yeah, it doesn't sound impossible at all. All right, and as always, to conclude the new segment of this week's show, we're bringing you a lightning round with little nuggets of information. We've got some upcoming dates for you to look out for. On May 29th, Toys R Us is restocking the Lucario and King Dedede Amiibo. May 29th is also the release date of Amiibo Wave 4, including Silver Mario, also Splatoon, the Splatoon Amiibo, if you can find them. Um, and the Nintendo World Store will have a midnight release for all of those Amiibo except Jigglypuff, which will only be available on Nintendo Store starting on June 5th. And then a few general facts from last week and reminders for you. This is a pretty big list this week, so buckle up. Nintendo won a patent lawsuit over the Wii Balance Board. Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate is $10 off on Amazon. Codename Steam and all Gen 6 Pokemon games are all $10 off at Best Buy. LEGO Dimensions will get more expansion packs early next year. There's an officially licensed Amiibo stand that looks like the end of a Mario level. Nintendo is officially discontinuing the 8GB Wii U in Japan. Nintendo released a pair of new Nintendo 3DS commercials for the summer. Bloodstained, Castlevania's spiritual successor, might be coming to Wii U. Japanese prison inmates are playing Nintendo DS to combat dementia. Puzzles and Dragons Super Mario Bros. Editions is getting pretty good reviews, according to a new Accolades trailer. A dedicated fan has made a very real-looking Ice Climbers Amiibo. You can check that out if you're interested. The original new Super Mario Bros. is now available on the Wii U eShop. Kirby's Epic Yarn is also available on the eShop in Europe and Australia. Nintendo announced Art Academy 8 Atelier. How do you pronounce that word? I've only ever seen it in writing. Yeah, I'm in the same I think it's a, I think it's Atelier, I think. Atelier. I could be okay. wrong. Though. It's French, yeah. so that, I think that's <laughs> okay. right. That sounds fancy, yeah, artsy. That, that sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> an Art Academy Atelier, and it launches in Europe on June 26th. A fan-made trailer combines Mario Kart and Mad Max Fury Road. A new Pokemon fashion store will be open in Los Angeles from June 6th to July 5th. Survival action RPG Little Devil Inside hit its Wii U stretch goal on Kickstarter. Unity 5 is coming to Wii U. Pokemon Shuffle has passed 4 million downloads and a special Shaman event is now live in celebration. The Pokemon Rumble team struggled with the decision to make it free to play and they also aimed to make it faster and stress-free. A hilarious mashup combines the Gerudo Valley theme with the Reese's Puffs rap, which you'll be able to hear in just a second. Yoshi's Woolly World will take up about 7.2 gigabytes on your Wii U, so if you have the basic bundle, you should definitely buy retail. Nintendo has released a trailer showing off amiibo functionality in Yoshi's Woolly World. Dragon Quest VIII on 3DS will not have stereoscopic 3D. More tour dates have been announced for the Zelda Symphony, Symphony of the Goddesses, Master Quest. Project Cars is having some serious development problems on Wii U and may be cancelled. Nintendo and Humble Bundle have teamed up to offer the Humble Nindy Bundle. Um, an American mutual fund is now Nintendo's top shareholder, 
And the NES's hardware designer is creating an extensive museum exhibit for its 30 year anniversary. And Ash, Mega Man is happening this week. You want to tell us which Mega Man games have come out and which is coming out in the future? Uh, yeah, so the uh, week one of Mega Man was uh, Mega Man and Base on the Game Boy Advance. Uh, if you'll uh, remember, it was actually a Super Famicom game that was exclusive to Japan for a while, but then uh, the GBA port uh, was released here, and that's, the, of course, the port that's on the eShop. Uh, the second week was Mega Man Battle Network 3 Blue and White. Uh, the Battle Network 3 is the... Uh, sequel at which Capcom started aping the Pokemon formula by releasing two different versions of each game. Uh, for three, though, uh, really there aren't too many differences, and Blue just uh, includes a single extra boss fight, as well as a few different chips. So really, if you want all the content, just get the Blue version. And then the third week of Mega May was Mega Man Zero Two, uh, which don't have a whole lot to say about that, except the Zero series is excellent. It's, uh, mm -hmm. it's a four-part Game Boy Advance series, Kind of chronicling what happens after the X series, and it's it's a great uh, great series of platformers. Really tough tough games though. And then the final week, which happens to be this week of Mega May, is going to see the release of Mega Man Battle Network Four: Red Sun and Blue Moon. Um, and probably the less said about that, the better. It definitely is the black sheep of the Battle Network series. It's just it's all that. It's really not that great a game. <laughs> I, I hate to say it, but I love the Battle Network series. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but Four definitely is the weakest entry in the series. But if you're a completionist or if you just love the series that much, I mean, it, the, the gameplay is still great, but a lot of the structural stuff around the gameplay just really suffers. All right. Awesome. Thank you. No and problem. if you thought you were relieved because we were done with the lightning round, you're wrong because there was a lot of Splatoon information this week, including Splatoon had rabbits instead of squids as the main characters at one point, And at another point, the Inklings were actually squid people that didn't transform. They were actual, you know, walking squids. Splatoon has some classic Nintendo Easter eggs. Thank you, Game Explain. <laughs> There's an extended trailer that explains Splatoon's features in song form, and we've released a video answering all of your questions about Splatoon, so you can check that out at our YouTube channel, Gamnesia TV. If you're interested in any of these other stories that we've talked about in the lightning round or in the news discussions, you can check them out at Gamnesia.com. In the meantime, we're going to go on a brief break, but after we get back, we will be having a mega discussion with Ash Paulson, so stick around. Reese's Puffs, Reese's Puffs, eat them up, beat them up, beat them up, beat them up. Reese's Puffs, Reese's Puffs, eat them up, beat them up, beat them up, beat them up. Wow. I got Reese's Puffs in my bowl, wow. nowadays on cruise control. Wow. I got Reese's Puffs in my bowl, wow. and just like that I'm on a roll. Reese's Puffs, Reese's Puffs, peanut butter chocolate flavor. Reese's Puffs, Reese's Puffs, in the AM, it's the flavor I savor. Peanut butter and chocolate too, you know how I do, that's what I wake up to. My Reese's Puffs inspired this round. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Nintendo Week. I'm Colin McIsaac, your host, and as always, I'm joined by Alex Plant. Hey. Ben LeMoreau. My body is ready. And this week, we're joined by Ash Paulson. You may know Ash Paulson from Game Explain. He is a huge Mega Man fan. Hello there. So, yeah, we thought it would be really fun to just sort of think about what would happen if Nintendo made a Mega Man game. Capcom has been really happy to license Mega Man stuff out to Nintendo recently for Smash Bros, and they're doing a lot on the virtual console. And obviously Nintendo making a Mega Man game is a pretty far-fetched thing to think about. But, you know, we thought it would still be a lot of fun to just sort of think about, well, what if? So, um, 
Who wants to start us off? Well, I'll just I'll start by saying that there is no hope for me because I've already deluded myself into thinking that Sakurai's next project is Mega Man Uprising. So <laughs> send help, but really there's no help that you can send because that's just <laughs> one of the saddest things you can fool yourself into believing as a Mega Man fan. He did a great job. <laughs> he really put a lot of care into those trophies in Smash Bros and into the movesets yeah. and the music. I mean... They really represented Mega Man so well. He really got the royal treatment. I mean, as a as a fan, as a hardcore Mega Man fan, I could not be happier or could not have been happier with how they represented him in Smash. I mean, it really, they really nailed mm. it. I mean, it just, like, the, the yeah. best thing I can say about Mega Man and Smash Brothers is that being good with him and playing him at a high level feels like you're playing an actual Mega Man game, which is the way it should feel. I, I, I love what they did with Mega Man and Smash. Yeah, I mean, the dedication to the character and the, the gameplay, just the feel of playing Mega Man has been adapted so yeah. well. So you think, so you're you're hoping Sakurai's working on Mega Man? I mean, then? I think that would be awesome because, I mean, look at what he did. Not that not that Mega Man is a dormant series like Kid Icarus was, but, I mean, look at what he did with Kid Icarus. I mean, at least, I'm only mm -hmm. speaking for myself, but Kid Icarus Uprising was easily one of my favorite games of the last generation or the current generation, however you want to classify the 3DS. But... I adore that game to death, and just based on what he did with Kid Icarus, I would love to see what Sakurai could do with Mega Man. Yeah, for sure, it'd be really interesting. So I was, I was sort of thinking, if Nintendo took the reins on, on a Mega Man game, I was thinking, for one, it would probably be almost a reboot of the series, given how much Capcom said about how many different sub-series of Mega Man there, there were, and they just... Capcom has said a lot of a lot that a lot of the reason that Nintendo, that Mega Man is sort of resting for a little while is because there were so many different subseries and so many different gameplay styles that they just had no idea where to go next with Mega Man, what which ones to continue next. So they wanted to take a break. So I feel like that said, the most natural step for Mega Man whenever the next game comes out is something that really takes to heart the classic Mega Man NES games, maybe some of the Mega Man X games, maybe incorporating some of the newer gameplay mechanics of the, the newer games. I admit I haven't played a whole lot of like Mega Man ZX and Mega Man Zero, and I am a big fan of like the, the old, old classic Mega Man games. So I, I can't contribute much in the way of bringing new mechanics from the newer games into the older ones. But Ash, maybe you you have some ideas on how that kind of thing could work, or maybe maybe even just what a reboot might look like. I mean, I have to say I, I agree with you, Colin. I, I think that uh, the most likely scenario Scenario for a Nintendo developed Mega Man game is a reboot. Um, I do feel like that it would be a classic Mega Man, you know, reboot and not X or Zero or anything. Uh, I mean, X, like all the all the offshoot series are, you know, they're still beloved and, and fans really want to see those series return. Yeah. But the classic Mega Man is what Nintendo is really most known for in terms of, you know, the Mega Man franchise. And it seems to yeah, be, you sure. know, with, with, between Smash Brothers and the Mega Man costumes in... Uh, Yoshi's Woolly World and Mario Kart 8, that seems to be the one that they're most comfortable promoting and working with. So I do think that it would be a classic, classic series game. Um, while I would love to see the series continue into Mega Man 11 uh, and beyond, it does, because the franchise is so splintered uh, across such a large span of time and multiple consoles, it does make sense to do a reboot. Um, yeah, starting fresh. Yeah, and now whether that reboot would take yeah. the form of, you know, straight remakes of the first, you know, what, six games in the series uh, with, you know, the, the same bosses, same robot masters and everything, or if it would be a complete reboot and just, you know, new bosses, new a new scenario, new everything, that's more up for debate, but I kind of feel like they would probably go the remake route sooner than anything. Really? I don't, I don't know. I mean, well, I, 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 I don't see them, like... I, I see them doing a reboot in the sense like that Mega Man Powered Up was a reboot, 
using you know mm, using the okay. same bosses and characters and things because I don't think a total reboot would go over so well for fans. You know, like okay. no, that's interesting. I mean, I think. I kind of imagined a reboot that sort of took the best of of the original Mega Man series and put it into one game, sort of sort of the ultimate collection of of Mega Man. Sure. Kind of, you know, it would have Cut Man and it would have like Metal Man and Crash Man and but but I th- I was thinking something more along the lines of almost what Donkey Kong Country Returns was not not so much because that completely forgot about the Kremlings and all that. But um. <laughs> yeah, it it's I, it's funny that you bring that up because I was thinking based on what we've been saying and based on how diverse Mega Man's history has been and how many games he's had over the years, I was thinking a New Super Mario Brothers sort of game in the sense that they're taking old content and reimagining it with more modern technology. I know New Super Mario Brothers is by no means the pinnacle of what Nintendo <laughs> could be doing with their hardware. But, you know, in the sense that New Super Mario Brothers Wii, for example, brought back the Kooplings, uh, maybe they could do a one-off, not one-off, a reboot game that's kind of captures that. But in the same way that Donkey Kong Country Returns was a springboard into Tropical Freeze, then uh, bounce off of that into newer ground. Maybe ditching the Robot Masters, for example. Yeah, I, I wouldn't see Nintendo literally remaking the games with updates, but just, you know, taking kind of the, the formula of the classic Mega Man and maybe bringing back some of the overarching themes, you know, maybe like having Wily and the Robot Masters initially, and then just seeing how it goes with some new tweaks or like Tom, like you said, taking elements from some of the other series like X or Zero and things like that and just sort of infusing it to get a sort of best of experience that still feels pretty similar to the classics. Mm. I do know, Ash, I would not like to see Sakurai touch the Yellow Devil ever no, again. No, certainly not. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's uh, that's a bit of a shame that there's no sta- like, uh, stage hazard toggle in Smash just because I want to play yeah. Wily, Wily Castle more than I do, and I don't really like Omega versions because I don't, I don't like flat featureless stages. Mm-hmm. But for yeah. Wily Castle, you kind of have to pick it because the Yellow Devil is so intrusive. But, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with a lot of what you guys are saying. I do think the, the remake thing or the reimagining thing is tricky because, really, they've already done it with Mega Man Powered Up. So they've already done that, and that's kind of a, an avenue they've already explored. So how do you explore that again without, you know, without making it feel like a Mega Man Powered Up retread, right? Well, I would only want it to be sort of like a, a rebirth in terms of gameplay feel, not so much in terms of, like, the bosses that you're fighting or the levels. Sure. You know, maybe some throwbacks, but, the, you know, new levels that just have a sort of a feel that reminds you of classic Mega Man. You know, so, somewhat like what Mega Man 9 and 10 were. Right, but then why not just call it Mega Man 11? I mean, because in, in the minds of the fans, you think Cutman, Gutsman, Iceman, you think Mega Man 1. And I think, you know, creating a new Mega Man 1 without those characters might not go over so well. Well, like what Colin was suggesting is that you would bring in elements from outside of just the core Mega sure, Man. Sure. Like from Mega Man X and other things too. So it wouldn't be so much a reboot of just Mega Man as it would be a reboot of, you know, all of the like 2D side-scrolling type Mega Man. Right, right. What I was kind of imagining when I was, when I was talking about that was, um, Ash, I think that was a great word you used, splintered. Um, Mega Man is so splintered. I feel like Capcom is really looking for a way to sort of reunite those those different sects of Mega Man. And while while each of the subseries do have like very devoted fans, I feel like I feel like Capcom is not comfortable with having those those different offshoots of the Mega Man series. I, I think they're looking for a way to kind of reunite it. And I think depending on what kind of route they would want to go, Nintendo. Yeah, you know, again, this is this is completely completely a what if scenario but if nintendo were making a game like that i could imagine it either going ash the way you were saying like like a remake or something close to a remake um i could see it either going that way 
or going away that says, hey, we are going to make the best of Mega Man all in one game. This is going to be its own new thing that, that unites everything that Mega Man was. And then, like Alex said, that game, that engine and everything would be a springboard for follow-ups. And that would kind of become the main Mega Man series. Yeah, I mean, I do completely agree with you in terms of Capcom's position. Uh, I mean, if I were Capcom, I would want to kind of unify everything as well because, I mean, they're really sitting on, what, six or seven different subseries, a few of which have officially ended story-wise and a few of which haven't. So Legends. Yeah, Legends, X, you know, ZX, Classic. I mean, uh -huh. so where do you go from there? It's, it's, a, it's an app question because, you know, how do you satisfy all those fans of all those different subseries when development costs of, of gaming in general continue to rise. Yeah. You know, we're not in the early 2000s, late 90s anymore. You can't just pump out five Mega Man games a year in five different series. Like, you have to really consider what you want to make before you actually make it these days. And it does, in that sense, make a lot more sense not to have a ton of different subseries and just have the core Mega Man franchise because, as Smash has proven, Mega Man as a character and as an icon certainly is... is the exact opposite of dead. People still love the character. Oh, People yeah. still want to see him around. People still want new games. I mean, the, the reaction to Mega Man's reveal in Smash was massive. So that alone, you know, said, says that Mega Man is not dead in the minds of the fans. But definitely, you know, where Capcom is concerned, they have to kind of rein it in a little and maybe establish a new core direction for the franchise because we're just not in an industry anymore where we can have seven different franchises at seven different subseries getting annual sequels yeah i mean you're seeing yeah. that with mario too on wii u where only the real the core mario games are really getting traction yeah and at the same time if they're going to be reining it in they got to be careful not to try to consolidate everything from every Mega Man subseries that's ever been made into this like super Mega Man game because i know this was by no means a super game but uh sonic 4 tried to do that with modern sonic conventions uh on top of classic sonic uh, I guess aesthetics and the the classic Sonic template, and the result was this sort of monstrosity, which was <laughs> you know looked kind of like classic Sonic, but then it had homing attacks. So I mean that's just one example, but you know Mega Man's even more diverse, I would say. And nothing really felt original or fresh in it either. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Mega Man's even more diverse, so there's there's even more things that they could have the tendency to kind of try to Frankenstein together. I just want to say that I've never heard a more appropriate word for Sonic 4 to describe Sonic 4 than monstrosity. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's really exactly yeah. what it is. Well, it was also on mobile, too. Yeah. I mean, who thought, whose idea was that? Uh, yeah, you, you yeah. can't take a game that has its roots uh, in like a sort of arcade. That was, the, that was still the era where you could say consoles were offshoots of arcades and, and put that on a mobile ga device where, where input is not like not based on arcade, ar arcade yeah. sensibilities. So we agree that Mega Man shouldn't do this for the reboot. Definitely not. Oh, yes, Although, yes, I mean... definitely don't make that your mobile game, Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, uh, you know, we, we already saw how, you know, the, the reaction to, to Rockman crossover or X over, however you want to say it, uh, was, you know, it was decidedly very negative. And uh, a lot of that has to do with the game itself and how sloppily it was put together. But, uh, you know, yeah, if, if you were ever going to bring Mega Man to mobile, that's not how you do it, and you don't want to make it a platformer yeah, either. for sure. So, I mean, something that I think is probably pretty important to address in all this is Mighty Number no. 9. Uh, Keji Inafune, the original creator of Mega Man, is working on this spiritual successor. Well, just rather, if, if Nintendo were to make something uh, in, the, you know, in the veins of a new Mega Man game, 
they would have to keep that in mind that they they're competing sort of against the Mega Man fan base with Mighty Number no. Nine. So they have to make something that's Mega Man enough that it will attract the Mega Man fans, but that will also stand out and be different than Mighty Number no. Nine. Well, I think I think something. I mean, I don't I don't mean this to to criticize Mighty Number no. Nine in any way, but I think if if Nintendo made a Mega Man revival, I think that would blow hype for Mighty Number no. Nine completely away because Keiji Inafuna is great, but I think the real point of mighty number nine the reason that people were getting excited rather was that it was a spiritual successor to mega man you know if capcom is not going to make a good mega man game then then this guy will but you know if then nintendo is making a good mega man game and it's actually called mega man and it's actually you know it i mean and if it has all the same great design ideas as mighty number nine might and as the original mega man games depending on the various offshoots all those same great design ideas i i feel like fans would kind of cast mighty number nine aside and instead go for the official mega man game that's just as good if not better i mean i think there's two dimensions to that there's on the one hand you know as we were talking about when we started uh nintendo has an eye for authenticity when especially when it comes to aesthetics but on the other hand you have uh i guess for example new super mario brothers which while it is definitely a super mario brothers game does not really capture very effectively the actual spirit of the classic mario games yeah i mean i i, I think uh you're on to something there colin i think it's important to remember that you know people don't just miss the gameplay structure and style of mega man they also miss the actual character uh and and, and i think mighty, mighty number no. nine is going to do well and i think it's going to do fine but based on what i've seen of it it doesn't necessarily i mean it is very mega man like but it isn't exactly mega man i mean it is a little different uh, in terms of the actual mechanics, and that's not a knock against it or or praise or anything. It's just it's an objective, you know. It, it's right. just it's what I've noticed about it, and um, yeah, I just I don't think Mighty Number no. Nine is going to end up quite scratching that Mega Man itch, whether regardless of how good it is. Um, I just don't think it's going to quite you know replace that kind of want for a new actual Mega Man game. Yeah, no, absolutely. If we're talking about having a Nintendo-made Mega Man game and maybe releasing this generation. I, I assume we don't want to try to think too hypothetically into the future since we have no idea what NX is going to be. <laughs> um, but you would think that if it's going to be you know, on Nintendo platforms that it should make use of Nintendo-specific hardware. You know, you've got the second screen on both 3DS and the gamepad, and then you've got 3D functionality. You've got uh, the potential for Amiibo functionality. So I think there's a lot of cool things they could do with that in terms of gameplay as well, just to make it sort of a... A very Nintendo-specific Mega Man adventure that you what would be able to get. What kinds of things thinking about? Well, you know, we've seen like uh, in Rayman Legends, I believe it is, where like the mm -hmm. gamepad can be used for like a secondary help character that can you know help you navigate the levels and things like that. I think that's a mechanic that could work with Mega. Yeah, Man. maybe like, you know, like beat. with. I don't know how Beat would work like a Murphy character from Rayman, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, or, you know, like, uh, Roll, maybe. Yeah, you could... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then I was thinking for, like, Amiibo functionality, um, alternate costumes, or maybe even something along the lines of what Shovel Knight did, where you're able to fight Kratos on the PlayStation Well, something version. I was thinking for Amiibo functionality is actually new weapons. Because mm -hmm. Mega Man is all about, uh, is all about you know, changing the weapons, absorbing weapons from um, other characters. Yeah, right. it, I mean, it could it could do it uh, like Shovel Knight does, where you fight a boss and then absorb their ability like Mega Man does, or it could just maybe scan in the ability. But something like that would be really cool, where, like, with Samus, you use the super missiles, and Link, you use, like, the hookshot or something. Giving giving Mega Man weapons from other Nintendo characters, I think, would be a pretty cool thing to do with Amiibo and, and make 
this new Mega Man game really well incorporated, I think, to to what Nintendo's trying to do. I think that's an incredibly cool yeah, idea. Yeah, I really like the the adding uh, Nintendo characters as bosses that you fight to get abilities idea. Because, uh, you know, after 10 or so games, there's only so many original Robot Master ideas you can come up with. And of, and of course, mm-hmm. there's the other series as well. And then you could put in Samus and Rob, who are basically robots. Yeah. <laughs> right, well, I mean... Nintendo's other characters would have bring their own move sets into the Mega Man template, which would yeah, for, for sure. Mega Man be something new. Right. It would be major. It would be major new additions to the gameplay. Which, um, but but I think there's this really distinct way that these characters would fit into the Mega Man universe. Um, at least at least well enough that it would be able to justify like amiibo content. So I think that's that. I think that's sort of a really interesting way that they could actually play around with with new gameplay ideas for Mega Man. Yeah. While also reaffirming it as this this really, even though it's not owned by Nintendo, it's a it's something that's really very close, closely associated to Nintendo's identity as a game company. Well, and it, it does seem to be that way. I mean, Nintendo really has gone out of their way to kind of Mega Man's really enjoying a fun kind of relationship with Nintendo right now, where where they really heavily promote his games in the eShop and. You know, he's in Smash Brothers, and I mean, I don't know, it almost seems like, and I, of course this isn't actually happening, it's not purposeful, but it does almost feel like Mega Man is slowly coming to be reassociated with Nintendo as kind of like a yeah. Nintendo character, even though he's not. But he, he does seem to be very at home on Nintendo systems now, and Nintendo is not shy about promoting him. I mean, whoever would have thought that we would see a Mega Man costume in Mario Kart? Right. Or a Yoshi game? I mean, that's pretty crazy. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it definitely does seem like he's kind of having this resurgence in a way on Nintendo consoles, so. Well, it's also interesting if you look back at, like, the sales of Mega Man 9 and 10 um, from the WiiWare, PSN, Xbox, the vast majority of those games' sales was on WiiWare, yeah. even though, you know, PS3 and Xbox, they were in HD, they, you know, could do much better resolutions, the controllers were, personally, I think, better suited for for a platformer i i didn't really like the holding the wii remote sideways for platformers i thought the d-pad was kind of yeah that could just be me but um either way you know it's clear that the Mega Man fans and the nintendo fans have this incredible overlap that's i think benefiting both capcom and nintendo really well when they promote him this closely um with nintendo as opposed to his own entity yeah i mean you know all other things aside i mean there's it's not a coincidence that of the three you know there are only three third-party characters who are considered popular enough to stand alongside all the nintendo greats and one of them is Mega Man. i mean Sonic, Mega Man, and Pac-Man really are the top three icons, non-Nintendo icons, in the industry today. Uh, you know, and and uh, yeah. of course there was Snake and Brawl, but you know he's not in the new one. And really, these these three characters are the most enduring mascots. And it's not a you know, it's yeah. not a coincidence. I mean, I think Mega Man has a, a life ahead of him. It's just a matter of what form that'll take and how you know how much Nintendo will have to do with it. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Yeah, that's a great way to end it, Ash. Well done. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's a pretty positive note to end things on, huh? <laughs> Yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, everybody, thank you so much for listening. This is the end of Nintendo Week today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes or subscribe to us on YouTube at Gamnesia TV for bite-sized discussions from the show. And please head to iTunes to leave us a review. Um, it really helps with visibility, so we greatly appreciate it, especially if you have good things to say instead of bad ones. And, Ash, where can they find you? Um, you can find me a, a few places, but uh, the most relevant to here is Game Explain. I'm one of the uh, core mm-hmm. Game Explain crew. Uh, so you can find us on our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash We also have a website, 
GamersPlane.com. Uh, we'll be covering E3 and Mass like everyone else, <laughs> and uh, I'm also the senior editor over at Udon Entertainment, and we do uh, we produce video game art books for series like Mega Man, as we just discussed, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, Persona, Street Fighter, lots of cool stuff. So if you're a fan of video game art and you want to have a coffee table book full of it, uh, Udon is the place to go. Awesome. Thank you. And yeah, if you want to check out Game Explained, they have, I mean, I'm sure most of you listening already, <laughs> already know them very well, but they have excellent analysis videos, great discussion videos. Um, they have really great stuff, so you can definitely check them out. If you have feedback for Nintendo Week, please send it to colin at gamnesia.com. That's C-O-L-I-N at gamnesia.com. And remember to send in your questions about Nintendo, about our show. We love engaging with you guys, and we read them and talk about them here on the show, so it's a great way to get involved. Again, that's Colin at Gamnesia.com. If you can't wait till next week for more of our stuff, you can head to Gamnesia to see more gaming news as it happens. We've got Sony, Microsoft, Indie, you name it, and even Nintendo news that we didn't have time to discuss on this week's show. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we hope you have another great week. Nintendo and Humble Bundle have teamed up to offer the Humble Nim Hum Humble Nindy Bum Bundle. <laughs> <laughs>